Welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. Or as my bad political joke as we record on this election day, the congressman from California, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me fill you in. Adam Schiff would call this program just simply Russian disinformation. <laughs> I, since you've brought it up twice now, I keep wanting someone to ask how he knows so much about what Russian disinformation is. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who's his source on that? One, one should look into his bank accounts. Right. That's what I keep wondering. But uh, um, That ain't going to happen. In any event, confession and absolution. <coughs> Excuse me. So the catechism asked the question, what is confession? Two parts, confess your sins and then receive the absolution from the pastor as from God himself. So the Lutheran Reformation kept private confession or individual confession and absolution. Why? I'll tell you why. For the sake of the absolution. So that people who are burdened by their sins, attacked by Satan and the world, can go and hear the word of forgiveness for Christ's sake only. And this, this is, here's, here, let, me, let me put it to you this way, Adam. The Lutheran Reformation kept private confession and absolution because... Our Lutheran fathers knew that this is one of the ways, not the only way, but it is one of the ways that the article of justification by faith alone for Christ's sake will be kept pure and operative in the church. What do I mean? When somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, put on your vestments, meet me at the church at 7 p.m. this coming Saturday, uh, light the candles on the altar, sit, sit, sit in your chair up by the altar, and I want you to hear my confession and forgive me for Christ's sake. I'd better do it. I had better forgive them only for Christ's sake so that they trust that their sins are forgiven, not because they're sorry, not because they've confessed, not because they've promised not to do it again, but rather they trust that they are forgiven because Jesus shed his blood for them and bore that person's sin on the cross and they are given to trust that word of forgiveness. And again, to repeat, this is one of the ways. Our Lutheran fathers were so foxy on this. They were so smart. They knew that this is one of the ways that the biblical teaching that sinners are justified before God only for Christ's sake. And that's why they kept private confession and absolution. And that's why we, folks, if you're interested, read the large catechism, Luther's admonition to go to confession. Okay. Yeah. Or read any of the other parts of the Lutheran confessions, like the Apology or the Augsburg Confession. It extols private confession and absolution for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the absolution, which they call it a ringing voice from heaven or God's voice from heaven. Or Luther always used to say the absolution is the viva vox Christi, the living voice of Christ. And then... Hearing that voice of Christ, we're able to live our lives with a clear conscience. We don't have to live our lives hiding something deep within us. We don't have to fear when something might come out and, uh, you know, knock us out of the church or whatever. We hear God's word and that cleanses our conscience or, you know, I, I love the baptismal imagery there we're clothed in the white robe of rice, righteousness of Christ. We, we hear that voice and now we can know for sure and certain that our sins are absolutely forgiven. Baptism is the gospel. Mm -hmm. How do we know that? Because it gives you the forgiveness of sins that Jesus won for you on the cross. It's God's work. And, and, and to be gospel, we have to be very clear on that because a lot of people misunderstand it as our work. It's God's work. Yeah, the absolution is God's gift. Yeah, his work. And so baptism is the gospel. The Lord's Supper is the gospel, given and shed for you for the 
forgiveness, forgiveness of, of sins. So also the absolution is the gospel because the pastor, based upon Christ's mandate and institution, Matthew 16, Matthew 18, John 20, and on Christ's authority, as the Father has sent me, so now I send you, the pastor then speaks the gospel in the absolution. Let me give you a quote um, from the Augsburg Confession, and this is Article 11. Article 11. You can look this up, folks, online. Article 11 of the Augsburg Confession says, Absolution is the very voice of the gospel that we should regard, we should regard it as certain that the forgiveness of sins is freely granted to us for Christ's sake. <laughs> and and you have to say that word the right way. It's not for Christ's sake. It's <laughs> for the sake of Christ. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I wasn't using it in vain. No, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Exactly. And then another quote from the Augsburg Confession, and this is Article 25 of the Augsburg Confession. It says, we also teach that God requires us to believe this absolution, this word of forgiveness, as much as if we heard God's voice from heaven. The living voice of Christ, the viva vox Christi again. Exactly, yep. exactly. Now, so there's no misunderstanding. The pastor is not Christ. No. But when the pastor speaks Christ's words faithfully and truthfully, Christ is speaking in those words. As he says in Luke ten sixteen. remember, he sends out the 72. They are to preach. They are to announce that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's arrived. Jesus has come. So trust it, you know. Uh, so... We, those preachers that are given the 72 in Luke 10, Jesus says, he who hears you. Hears me. Yeah. That's, again, that ambassador idea, which I think is a helpful picture to start wrapping our mind around that. I, I know even back when I was in college, before I went to seminary, uh, there was those who would accuse pastors who believe this to think that they're actually Jesus in the flesh. And it's not that idea. It's ambassadorship. It's uh, being in an office that speaks on behalf of Christ. And when we speak Christ's word, that's exactly what we're doing. Now, if I add myself into there, that's my sin, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Christ, and that's a problem. And, and brothers and sisters, those of you who <laughs> just heard what Pastor Moline said, he knows this because the Apostle Paul says this. This is 2 Corinthians 5. When Paul speaks about the apostolic ministry, he says, we are God's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. And, and that's, that's the point. Uh, so if Adam Moline was the ambassador of the United States to Great Britain, you would only speak the president's words. And as you spoke the president's words to the prime minister of Great Britain, you would be speaking the president's words, and therefore the president is speaking through you. Correct. You're not the president. You're his ambassador, but you speak his words. And as you speak his words, the president speaks through you. And that's the point Paul's making. Right. And now, one other point I want to make, because inevitably, and if I've talked about this before, folks, just bear with me. It's good to review this. It bears repeating. Do I have time? To yeah, okay. yeah right. we're good. Inevitably... There's always somebody in the congregation. It could be a member, a Missouri Senate Lutheran, or it could be a visitor. They're scandalized by the confession and absolution at the beginning of the service. Sometimes they're scandalized because of the confession. You know, right. sinner, I'm not that bad. I mean, geez, I'm a pretty good person. So how dare I say that? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that I'm you know, sinful. I heard a Joel Osteen sermon once where he was talking about... Uh, he was at this place, and all these pastors were praying, and this one got up, and he started talking about our sin and how we were guilty. And 
Oh, man, I started to feel bad. I even thought for a little while I was a sinner. <laughs> That's the idea. Exactly. There's many people that think that. So Joel Osteen, if he came to Trinity Murdoch, would be scandalized. He would. He'd be t- because he doesn't think he's a sinner. Correct. But we know, we tell the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you say that you haven't sinned, you make God out to be a liar because God says you've sinned. All right. That's all right. First John there. Exactly. So the point I'm trying to make is inevitably somebody is scandalized by the absolution. When the pastor says, upon this your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called or named servant of the word, announce the grace of God to you. And in the stead and in the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the person who's scandalized says, who does this pastor think he is? God? And I, I, sorry to interrupt here. I think the amazing thing about that, that people get scandalized by that, is if you listen very closely to those words, those words are going to great lengths to try and make clear that it's not the pastor as an individual that is forgiving your sins, but he is doing it on behalf of Christ. It's Christ that's forgiving you through these words, and all these uh, actions are being done by God, not the man. And, and, I mean, the words say that very clearly. In the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I forgive you. Not on my own authority, but on the authority of Christ. And that's Matthew 16, Matthew 18, John 20. And so when, when the critique or the scandal is vo- verbalized, who does this guy think he is, God? They know a truth. And what's the truth? That there's only one forgiver, and the one forgiver is God. That's absolutely true. But then the next point is, how does God speak his word of forgiveness to sinners? And it's through creatures. It's through a creaturely mouth. And in this case that we're talking about, it's through the pastor. And that's one of the things I like to ask people, um, you know, have you heard a voice from heaven forgiving you? Uh, was there a loud thunderclap or something, you know? And, well, no, no. Well, how does God actually communicate the forgiveness to you? That's what he sends a pastor for, to do that. And this is a biblical teaching. I'm going to speak now in general, piggybacking on this. The biblical teaching is that God deals with his creatures. God speaks to his creatures through creatures or physical means, namely the Bible, written word, a spoken word, creaturely things. And and how does God create life? Through creatures. He doesn't snap his fingers. He doesn't send the stork. <laughs> he uses creatures, a husband and a wife, and there he creates life. How does God take care of this life that he's created through mom and dad? Through mom and dad. Uh, when mom and dad... Uh, teach their children, correct their children, admonish their children. God is using them as his mouth to speak to them, etc. So also in the church, God uses creatures to speak to his creatures. And so the pastor is one of these creatures to speak God's word to his creatures. And as the, as the creature, the pastor speaks these words faithfully, God is speaking. So yeah, the, when, again, to make the point final, is when somebody objects and says, who does this guy think he is? Does he think he's God? They, are, they, have, a, they have a fundamental correct belief that only God forgives, but they, they've forgotten the other biblical truth. 
God uses creatures to speak to creatures. And that's the way he's done it throughout all the pages of Scripture. I mean, you go all the way back um, even to the creation. You know, in a sense, Adam is the first pastor. He's the one who's told, don't eat from this tree. And his job as pastor is to share that with his family. We have God sending prophets like Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah to speak his word. Uh, And that's the way God is always working. And that's even the case here and now. God is the one who sends people to preach. And that's why the second person of the Trinity took on flesh. Exactly. To, to creaturely do this. I'm not saying he, he I'm, not, I'm not being an Arian here, but you understand my point. Physically dealing with our sin and answering for it. Oh, thanks for being with us, my friends. Stay Lutheran. Stay Lutheran.